Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, Rob. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Great. How are you? Oh, did, Siri, yes. did Siri respond? <laughs> On last week's show, I intentionally stopped myself and just said, hey, and like awkwardly paused. And I was like, oh, this feels like I'm in the groove this time. And then Siri triggered and I was like, yep, that's, that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, at least I'm not named Alexa or Google. All those babies named Google are feeling like real jerks. <laughs> that's right. Real classic Michael Bolton situation. Uh, yeah, that's a good reference. <laughs> What's new with you? Um, not a lot. Let's see. I went to the climbing gym today. Um, did some climbing on the the rocks at the gym. So that was kind of my big highlight of the entire day. What'd you get, what'd you get up to? Uh, you know, not a lot. It's been a slow paced week, um, weekend. Uh, we, my family has been ill for about three months. Um, we've had like the same head cold thing that we've been passing around and we designated, this weekend is like rest and recovery weekend. So, uh, I'm, I'm proud to be saying I'm, I, I have no, uh, cough drops in my mouth for probably the first time we've recorded in like uh, a couple months. And yeah, so I went and worked out, um, a couple weeks ago and like coughed all over the stuff. And my guy was like wiping it down with Lysol wipes before I even got it out of the booth. And I was like, mm, maybe, maybe we'll press pause on that. Yeah. <laughs> Not be that guy. <laughs> I thought you would have uh, appreciated that because that's how you are. <laughs> yeah, very much. I had already like canceled on him like for two weeks prior, and I was like, "All right, I'm I'm going this time." You know, classic last uh, last last ditch effort. Um, things are crazy. I am so not into getting the flu since I had it for the first time last year and I'm a huge baby. Um, I did not know what the flu was <laughs> and it's terrible. I had this whole, I mean, you know, it was bad cause I had like a trip planned to New York city for new year's and I laid in bed all of new year's at home in Denver and canceled on everybody. And that, um, it was pretty much impossible. So uh, it was terrible. So I have started carrying um, antibiotic or antibacterial stuff for my hands for the first time in my life. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm just like Rob. And then when my walker medicine gets him from the hospital where he works, I'm like spraying him down. <laughs> you know and he's like i just wash my hands like no i saw you touch the door and come in the flu is everywhere and i don't want to get that hospital grade flu again yeah it's a slippery slope when you really start looking at whatever everybody touches and where everything goes you're like uh um I'm just trying to draw a line like that's not my nature that's in your nature to think about that it's not in mine like For instance, right before we started, I made myself a slice of toast. And when I was making the toast, I realized that there was mold on the bottom of the bread. Like after I was already, it was part way through making. And then I was like, I'll have to cut that off. And then um, a second ago, I looked down and I've eaten the whole thing of toast. (laughs) So like, whoops, forgot about that. (laughs) 
yeah I'm not, I'm not great at like keeping up with that kind of thing but i've really started trying to remember before i put anything like touch my uh, mouth like before i eat with my hands or put gum in my mouth or something to wash my hands so i thought you'd be proud so now would probably be a good time to make an announcement <laughs> that next week's show has been delayed while sarah seeks uh treatment for mold yeah <laughs> mold spores for, for tummy troubles um <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, no, I, the whole bread leaves in that situation 100% of the time. There's no cutting off the moldy part in my world. I, I make eggs for breakfast every morning, and that involves at least like five hand washings. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you well, know, that salmonella or E. coli, whichever one is in it, eggs. I forget. It's a good thing that you're doing all that because it's really kept you from being sick. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how sick you would be otherwise. Um. So, how are you? Have you been reading any good books lately? Uh huh. That's right. <laughs> uh, transition time. Uh, I have. I've I read or audio booked a book. Um, listened to a book. Uh, nah, last week that was really solid, and I thought we could talk about it a little bit. Uh, the book is called the dip. It's by Seth Godin, who is wonderful. If you're into marketing kind of stuff at all, uh, he's, um, you know, if you're wanting to up your marketing game, he's a guy to check out. Uh, I've taken, I've read a few of his books and I'm taking a few of it. He does a lot of online classes that you can sign up for. Um, and so I've consumed a lot of his, uh, wisdom. Um, but this book has actually been out for like a long time and I just missed it. Like, um, and another um, person who's influential in how I do some business things, another author was talking about it. And I was like, oh, man, I'll check that out. And it was awesome because the even just the audiobook was like an hour and a half long. <laughs> it's like, like, I don't know how short the book is. <laughs> like, it must be pretty small. But, um, but it was great because it like tackled a topic, which we'll unpack in a second, really specifically just that topic. Um, one of the things I struggle with, with, um, uh, books, reading books, audiobooks, is there's always, it feels like a lot of fluff, you know, especially with nonfiction kind of stuff. Like they need, you know, 200 pages worth of content. So here's a bunch of stories and a bunch of repeating yourself. And, um, most of Seth's books are really short. So I appreciate that about him. Um, but yeah, so the dip is all about when you should quit stuff and when you shouldn't. And that's something I've absolutely struggled with um, my whole life. <laughs> but but especially as as I've gone self-employed, like, you know, of all the things I do for like marketing myself or all the things I do for like new ventures, trying to figure out new service areas uh, for my business, like where am I allocating my time wisely? And like what things should I you know, old yeller and, and free up more capacity. Um, I'm, I'm curious when you say that something like when to quit is a thing you've struggled with for your whole life. Um, is there anything from childhood that you're particularly thinking of and is it football? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> the middle school B team basketball. <laughs> Cause clearly I had some natural talent that just was untapped. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also football. That's a good one. Um, my football career lasted all of three, three practices 
and including me breaking three ribs. So it was, a, a, you know, it wasn't a rib at each practice, but in the third practice, we, we caught up and, uh, I was out for the season and that was also at un, un, unknown to me at the time was also my career ending injury. <laughs> <laughs> what, how old were you? Uh, seventh grade. So yeah, that is the the injury that you for the for the listeners refer to as your old football injury. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, when I when I stand up and walk with a limp, somehow I had that to do the third the third practice of seventh grade football. Yeah. That was terrible. I had <laughs> I, so I had really bad allergies as a kid, and I and sneezed yeah. all the time. And if you've never broken a rib, you may not know this. When you take really deep breaths, it hurts like hell when you, when your ribs are broken. And so that was just like a, uh, you know, just a, a real uh, serious season of, of uh, you know, I don't know, pain. Yeah, I can see why you didn't go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I quit that junk. Um, yeah, that no, was no. in time. It was easier for you to quit, I would argue. Yeah, yeah, no, that one, that one is pretty clear. I felt like between the injury and my, uh, I wouldn't say I was like performing at a high level out there in the field. <laughs> you didn't blow anybody's socks off on no, that no, third the, practice or whatever. The uh, the scouts weren't there to see me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was so. one of those. You um you peaked too soon. That's uh, right. I think it's probably the takeaway. Um, and in this case, now you're thinking about when to quit things. It's less things that break your ribs and more things that are just annoying. Yeah, but sometimes equally as painful. No, um, it, it's it's one when of those, you sneeze specifically. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Getting old is hard. Um, it's one of those things that uh, you know. So, like, there's all this folklore about like uh, winners never quit. You know, like quitting's terrible. Like that's a sign of like uh, failure. Like quitting something is and. Uh, Seth kind of unpacks this notion that um, that's terrible advice and that uh, it's all about knowing like what things to quit, like when, how to quit well, you know, how to quit wisely. Yeah. Um, so uh, just a, a brief summary and then you and I can talk about kind of how this impacts our business, I think. Um, like specifically the dip is the, the t- time period between like you picking up a guitar for the first time and someone showing you a G chord and you think, Holy crap, I'm, I'm like playing the guitar to like you being like a good guitar player, you know, like, and like and there's the first five minutes where you're like, I feel like I've learned all the, so much in such a short amount of time. And at some point that normalizes and what it actually takes to become a good guitar player is actually like years and years of practice and lessons, you know? And then like, then you're a good guitar player, but you're, even though you're good, you're good enough to recognize like all these other people. that are so much better than you too. Right. And so that period, that long laborious season of really like giving it what it takes to be excellent at excelling, um, is the dip, right? And the notion as, as laid out in the book is that, um, how we interact with the dip is key. Um, if we, if we're the type of person that gets in the middle of the dip before quitting each time, 
Like that's the worst possible scenario. The best you can do is say, look at, you know, look at the dip in the future and say like, I'm actually not going to do this, right? Like there's no way I'm going to do enough of this to be like, uh, to excel at this. So I'm just going to stop now. Like I'm not even going to begin, like I'm going to walk away. I'm going to rededicate that time towards whatever the thing is I choose to be excellent at. Um, but if you feel like if it's a worthy, um, thing, a task, uh, a worthy venture, then you jump into the dip and you have to push your way all the way through. And I think, you know, some people, the right kind of people and, and, um, I think you and and your husband actually are like the kind of person that kind of embodies this in my mind. Like when they get into the dip, they actually like, it's not like they're on a, a conveyor belt and they just have to like put in their time until they come out the other end. They like, actually speed up and gain traction and like being in that, like they kind of bust through the other side with more, you know, energy or veracity or whatever than just like limping out, you know, um, the kind of person that fights through it. And so, um, you know, if you're that kind of person, you can get through it and get to the other side faster and with more, you know, whatever. Um, if you're the kind of person that just has to limp along through it, you know, chances are, um, it's either going to take forever or you're going to quit halfway through, you know? So how can you change that? I mean, I, that's, I, I love that viewpoint and I'm reminded of buying that ukulele in Hawaii <laughs> when we were in this, uh, Walker and I, we, uh, went to Hawaii like less than a year ago and got this camper van and drove around one of the islands and, and slept in it, which it turns out is not a commonly done thing. So it was just us and a whole bunch of homeless people. And then we, it rained the whole time. So we stayed in the tiny camper van with very little other things to do and uh, got, went to some like pawn shop and got a ukulele. And I was like, great, I'm going to learn the ukulele. And exactly what you were saying panned out where I was like, this sounds like the uke. And then lost all interest because it would have taken like absurd amounts of effort to get good at the ukulele. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about you guys taking the sailing class when we were at the beach together. Cause like, I mean, that's one of those things I feel like, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people say they're going to do every year and probably a hundred of them actually do it, you know, like actually put the time and energy and study and take the class, like travel to take the class. I mean, like it doesn't just like, you know, it's not a weekend class at the Radisson, right? Like, it, it, like a lot of coordination goes into it, and then like uh, them passing the tests and getting, you know. Anyways, it seems like, um, and from my perspective, for you guys, like, and maybe I just don't have the visibility on all the ideas that you don't follow through with, but but uh, you know, I see you guys get what I would categorize as kind of a wild hair pretty often, but it actually like comes to fruition. You know, like you actually follow through with it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe not the ukulele. Yeah. I mean, the payout wasn't there for the uke. (laughs) I'll put a pin in it. I mean, it's a long life. (laughs) So I listened to a podcast recently that said of the people born in developing or developed worlds today, um, over half are going to live to be over 100. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I hope it's not me. I'm pacing myself for a cool 110 so i'm good it's and it totally will be you our shared grandmother is 95 and like not at all slowing down yeah we're screwed yeah gosh i don't know Uh, no thank you 
Um, I will, I will see you there, but I'll be like Grand's brother. I'll be the one living in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In your sweatsuit playing your uh, shuffleboard and your ukulele. Yep. I will be like, I am not a quitter (laughs) as I play somewhere over the rainbow (laughs) on my ukulele. Yeah. What other song would you play on a ukulele? Like, I that's, think that's the only one it plays. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like the most quintessential one. I would I would struggle to think of anything else. So hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Can you play guitar? No. Also, okay. that didn't help. Okay. Right. <laughs> I I got a banjo because I can play the guitar, and I was like, oh, I can play a banjo. I'm like, no, no. It turns out that's quite a bit different too. Yeah. Uh, Huh. Well, well, that to to your point though, that brings us back to the book. Uh, one of the things that he talks about is kind of diagnosing the dip as either a dip or what he calls a cul-de-sac. Uh, cul-de-sac is something that's just a dead end, right? Like that that going through the painstaking labor of trying to go through that season, that that dip season, is actually uh, you know worthless because there is no other end. Like it's not gonna resolve it's there's there's no uh larger gain to be had um i'm thinking of like uh you know a dead end industry i don't you know like um if if you wanted to become fantastic at uh, maybe uh being laying, a typist a yeah. stenographer i was gonna say laying out the newspaper right like you know like the the future of that is is grim and um and, and the need for that, so you that's probably not something that you want to uh, strive for excellence in in today's world. Okay, that makes sense. What other things should you quit? Because I mean, I'm trying to think of the things that I have quit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, like uh, I I did kind of an assessment at the beginning of the year of like where uh, I've got stuff I get you know, I get paid to do and I get do stuff that like, I just enjoy doing, um, this podcast, for example, like, uh, not a huge moneymaker. <laughs> um, and so I kind of had to assess, like I'd, I'd do some freelancer meetups here locally. I'd, I'd do this podcast that I was for a period of time doing like a weekly email newsletter thing to freelancers. And, you know, I had like several iterations of different channels of producing content for the freelancer community. Um, and it's just a passion project, you know? So I kind of had to sit down and say, okay, which things are, do I need to keep doing? Right? Like maybe all of them, probably not. And of the ones that like I could cut, where does it make sense to cut? Like, you know, where's, where, um, where's there an opportunity for me to improve my skills, better myself, things that I enjoy, yada, yada, yada versus the things that, um, are, are not, don't fall in those camps, you know, how to, how do I put all, how do I rank all these things and, and dedicate my time to the ones that make sense? Yeah, that's a tricky question. Um, how to do that. I don't know. I, I, and we've talked about that in some different ways before too, but I think that what I like about it is, um, to, you know, we talked about the podcast and I think we always reevaluate most of our extracurriculars and, um, and it kind of helps you realize the ones that you, you enjoy doing for the sake of doing them and, and not quitting those because that, um, dip part itself is enjoyable, I think is, um, is a good takeaway. Yeah. I mean, to look at this podcast a little closer, like I knew nothing about audio equipment, 
Um, I, I kind of hate the sound of my voice when recorded. Um, I am not a particularly like, uh, uh, persuasive public speaker, you know, I'm trying to think of the other skills that you might want if you wanted to do a podcast and I had very few of them and, but it was just something that I wanted to try to, uh, figure out, you know, and like the only way to get good at podcasting is to podcast. You know, unfortunately, like there's not a lot of like ways to practice that. It's just getting in there and doing it. And so um, there, you know, subsequently, there's a whole bunch of things that I could learn a lot about and improve myself by by doing this exercise, you know. Yeah, the actual process is um, is the thing that's valuable. Uh, and that's you and I talk about these things, whether we record ourselves or not, you know, so like how much more time does it take? to, to, you know, record it and do it intentionally. That's true. I've kind of taken a cessation of a couple things. That's what I'm thinking of. Like this month has been really crazy for me because of administrative stuff with starting a new law firm um, and client work as well. And so some of my extracurricular stuff that I usually spend a decent amount of time on, um, like, happy hours and, and, and that nonprofit that I participate in and has a whole bunch of events. And I just like cut myself a break and didn't go to most of them because I'm not essential to them anymore. And it just freed up a lot of uh, space in my life to focus on the other stuff. Um, so I think it's a good thing to be able to cut yourself um, to quit or, you know, to withdraw from certain things intentionally. Um, I don't know. So what are you thinking about quitting? Well, I think one kind of underlying message in this book is that the value of being excellent at something, right? Like the, where can you be number one and like, what, what is the benefit of being number one, you know? And, um, there's an old metaphor, um, or like an, an old adage in my industry, um, some number of years ago, there was a, uh, some AOL data back when, uh, this is after AOL was cool, but like, um, you know, uh, it leaked and essentially gave some statistics on the percentage of people that click on the first result in a search results page versus the second versus the third. And like Google's never released that information. So it's like the only snapshot that people in my industry have of that. And it was like 84% click on the first result. You know? Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, a tremendous, overwhelming, you know, percentage. And so even then, if you are number one for like a subsect of a subsect, mm-hmm. but you're, but you're cashing in 84% of, of the attention, then that's probably way better than being mediocre at a whole bunch of things, you know? And so this notion of like getting through the dip is like finding things that you feel like you can get on the other side and be exceptional, like outstanding, right? Like standing out in the crowd, outstanding um, at. And so, you know, that is a good litmus test for kind of where you want to quit and where you don't. I certainly do not think I'm going to be a world-class podcaster to the point of what (laughs) we were saying earlier, but it does make me want to say like maybe instead of, there's always a temptation in in uh, agency world of trying to be all things to all people, right? Like um, I have people that come and ask me to do projects for them that I could do, right? Like I, I can make simple websites. I can do, you know, this, that, and the other. And at times I feel like um, all the time and energy I spend into being pretty good at a lot of things. What would happen if I consolidated all of that and became like 
exceptional at, at a handful of things, you know, um, at one particular thing or two particular things. And so that, that kind of guided where I quit. And like, for example, um, I decided to kind of wind down the, the monthly meetups I'm doing here locally. Like it was great, good groups of people that came like a lot of camaraderie, but, um, in my mind, this podcast could create a community that exceeded the geographical boundaries of Chattanooga, right? Like in the, in the meetup was not going to do that. Um, and so I felt like there was more room for growth, both personally and in the community by going this direction than, um, than doing my email newsletter or doing my meetups or doing whatever, you know, I said like, I'll just pick one freelancer thing and focus on doing that as well as I can versus, you know, all the things. Um, I kind of did that with my own business too. And where I'm, um, how I market myself, uh, I had, an email newsletter I did monthly or weekly uh, every Friday to kind of summarize the the week's marketing news for people that just wanted a summary of that. And um, it was going well, but um, I also wanted to blog and I also wanted to, you know, do a handful of other things. And so I had to figure out a way to kind of uh, distill all of that down into one thing that I felt like I could do much better than, than I would, you know, uh, do three or four things kind of mediocre. Gotcha. Okay. That's one thing then that I did quit that you, that you brought up was, um, kind of like data privacy, security, cybersecurity, uh, law work. Um, you know, at, at first it was just a little bit of laws and it's very achievable, but as they more rapidly are evolving, I've kind of just made the decision aggressively that I will know enough about it to know to bring in a specialist. And I will just be really honest with everyone that I know how to issue spot and I have a great person that I bring in to help me with those things because I honestly think it, and I've, I've had that, those conversations dozens of times now and um, saying, well, I don't do that, but I work with somebody all the time who does. And people seem to be relieved because it's such a niche area. You know, I think if you ask one person to really jack of all trades it and they say, yes, you're kind of like, all right, should I have, <laughs> should, should I be asking the guy at the lens crafters to do surgery on me? You know, like a doctor's a doctor, but <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, and that's a perfect example, like to, on the flip side of being that guy, like, you know, that individual that is really good at data privacy, like he's the 84% in this situation, you know, everyone's relieved to find one person that specializes in that thing that they can't find, you know, a person to and, and so the benefit of that, and perhaps his rates, his or her rates support their expertise, you know, the uniqueness of it, um, provides some kind of opportunity and what it looks like to be excellent. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. And being able to basically, I mean, capitalize on just building a relationship with someone who does that is very useful. Uh, so I'm way more productive than me, like trying to have a full workload of other stuff and somehow get up to speed on this entire new, uh, like area of law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I find, I mean, at least here locally or regionally, there's not a ton of people that do what I do with the, the level of the length of experience. I've done it, you know, yeah. I kind of happened to start doing it about the time it became a thing. So, um, it's hard to have more experience than me as, as far as time. But, um, I, so I look at something like that where, where I find people seeking me out, like needing help from people like me. 
And then I think about like the guitars that are hanging on the wall behind me as we record this. Like, um, I, at some point in time was wanting to buy like, uh, a nicer guitar, like, and like start collecting guitars. Cause I think they're beautiful, like almost mm-hmm. as like, uh, art as much as something that you play, but like, I'm kind of, a, I mean, like I'm definitely a mediocre guitarist, you know? And it's like, I, and I'm, I can't sing, like, I'm, I'm probably not going to put all the time and energy into being great at it. And so beyond just like, casually when I uh, casually when I want to play a song that I just kind of a fun loving like hey let's just goof around kind of thing like the time and energy I put into that's kind of a waste you know <laughs> like um I would be well served to have you know a handful fewer hobbies and just find a few things that I really enjoy doing and can do exceptionally yeah I would counter that though and say that <laughs> Um, we both know a family member who's like not terribly good at their chosen hobby, but really loves pursuing it. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, the excellence doesn't have to be there if you're just really into the hobby and it gets you where you're going just to, to be like fair to middling at it, then (laughs) that's enough. Um, because I mean, you can never be excellent. We we know too much now. We know too many people. There's always a virtuoso that you can find on YouTube who's a million times better than you at anything. So, um, you know, if there's anything that you enjoy enough, it's worth hanging on to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's a fair counter or rebuttal to that. Um, cause at some point, some point in time. And, uh, we've talked about this before, like what's the value of becoming that much more productive, you know, at some point, like you've got to give yourself the freedom to have time where you're not productive, you know? Um, and to, to your point here, like at some point, like you should be able to be blissfully ignorant (laughs) about what you're doing if you enjoy doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm very bad at most of my hobbies. So, (laughs) Like, I'm not good at tennis. I'm not good. I don't even know the rules of tennis. Like, I'm a bad climber. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you can be good at bicycling. <laughs> like, yeah, as you stated in last week's show, you uh, did something for the very first time and described it as, I have a new hobby. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> when that was riding bikes in the snow. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I think where you're – uh, what you would call a hobby is probably uh, a looser definition than a lot of people. I don't know. Maybe. I think I just do them more, though, because, like, I also, I mean, a lot of people would say they ski as a hobby, but how often do they really ski, you know? And, and I wouldn't even name skiing in my hobby list, and I've been, you know, three or four times this year so far, but, I mean, because I live in Colorado, but still. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I did pick up. Yeah, I do like to pick up new hobbies and then just get like, okay at them. It was terrible when I first moved to Colorado. I bought like a kayak. I bought all kinds of stuff um, because I just tried everything once and was like, well, I'm a kayaker now. (laughs) And then after like three or four years, I still own a um, wetsuit. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, 
you never know when you're going to need one of those. Right? Like I had to just to like realize, you know, you sell the, the road bike and the kayak because you're not going to be, you know, a runner, a rock climber, a yogi and a skier and a kayaker and a road bike bicyclist. Lucky for you, all those things don't take up a lot of space. So you can kind of <laughs> come afford to do that. Just all those bikes and <laughs> uh-huh. entire boats. Fun fact, I just abandoned the boat. I never sold it. I just moved out of my apartment and I had it in the storage unit and I couldn't find anyone to buy it. So I was just like, who knows what came of that? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. funny. Um, yeah. All right. Well, good talk. Good book. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. All told, it's, I think it's like five bucks on Audible, hour and a half. If you're like a podcast listening person, it might be worth checking out. Um, I suspect if anybody's listening to us, they are a podcast listening type of person. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll include a link in the show notes, which can be found where? Unfederated.studio. Mm-hmm. H-T-T-P-S. <laughs> H-T-T-P-S colon forward slash forward slash. Yep. W, 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 I, here's a here's a little anecdote. Uh, we were giving um, a presentation at an agency once, and it was like uh, a pretty big agency in the area that I'm at. They have some like fairly uh, like well-known clients, like nationally well-known clients. And we were talking about URLs, and we were talking about the um, – the www version of a URL and the the version of the URL that doesn't have www because it's like optional now. It didn't used to be, but now it is. And so the guy, the, my my colleague that was presenting was in shorthand describing it as www versus non www. And I sat next to the, one of the partners at the agency and watched her write notes down. And she wrote dub dub dub. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> like oh as, my God. And I was like, oh. oh. And I, I couldn't wait to get back to the office and share that with all the <laughs> nerdy coworkers because, you know, of course that's insane to us, but it was very enjoyable to watch. So, that's yes. That's really funny. Dub, Check dub, out dub. the dub 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 version of that URL. Way longer to write that out than it is to write yeah. Clearly, not really following along with the the story. Yeah, yeah the context was a little <laughs> yeah. lost on that listener. Yeah. Um, all right. Good story. Yep, good talking to you. <laughs> you as well. Have a good week. All right. We'll talk soon.